Welcome to episode two of the Army and Time podcast. We made it, guys. Week number two. I had to tell you I was uh, kind of itching to release this episode earlier, but I had a I had to hold out. You know, I don't want to run out of episodes on week number three. So, <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoy episode number one, and hopefully you guys enjoy episode number two also. Uh, we got a quite a bit of listeners on episode number one. I was very surprised. I thought it was going to be only me and my wife, <laughs> but very surprised. And I want to thank you guys for supporting the podcast and hopefully you guys continue to enjoy it. Now, today on the wrist, I have the brew um, retrograph, the one that is bronze with the leather strap. It's a really cool watch. I think they're super fun. I don't know if you guys ever seen the, the brew watch or brew watches. Uh, but the brand is pretty cool. It's inspired from coffee, and the guy is a, obviously a coffee and watch enthusiast. He does a lot of good stuff, and the watches the watches are pretty amazing. They're pretty cool, very different, very unique, but they're pretty nice. So if if you're ever uh, interested in taking a look, go take a look. Brew watches are pretty cool. Now, on the glass, I have a cup of coffee guys uh, it's cold as hell where i'm at snowing a lot so i have a cup of coffee enjoying it it's pretty nice um today i don't know if you guys saw the subject today is kind of inspired by a watch release and some of the talk behind it and stuff like that but i don't know if you guys saw the rolex deep sea or sea dweller that they have the new one for the deep sea challenge between them and Omega. They keep releasing watches that go 30 feet deeper than the other one. I had to tell you, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to see a watch that normally they tend to be like 50 millimeters and you know, they go insane depth underwater for, you know, no one is going to do that. <laughs> But it's hilarious to me that the capabilities there, and that's great. The, the the fact that they can build a watch with that capability, and, and that's pretty, you know, it's flexing and, and it's cool. But it's funny to me when you see watches like that come out, and people go take to the internet to either tear onto them or or tell you why they're better than other ones or stuff like that. And that tends to happen with watches everywhere, not just insane watches, you know, but just the everyday watch of the, the company's release. So I kind of came up with this subject based on that. And we're going to talk about specs, the obsession on, on specs that we have. It's crazy, right? So I'm going to kind of divide it in different aspects and kind of go from there. Uh, sorry if it kind of crosses over, but a lot of it, it kind of goes attached to each other. So uh, I'm going to try not to, but hopefully, you guys enjoy it and let's get to it. So the first the first thing that I tend to see a lot, right, is the whole accuracy thing. Whether a movement is plus minus 25 or between 14, plus 14, minus 25 or vice versa, whatever it is. And, and people complaining whether, oh, you know, that's cool, but the movement is trash or deviation is too much or whatever. And I... I don't understand, you know, like I get it for the military accuracy for us. Accuracy is very important, very important, 
but majority of people complaining about this are not military or first responders or police officers. They the common folk who work in accounting and some company, they're behind a desk and they're eating cheese the whole day watching Facebook. <laughs> right? Let's be honest. It's not the military guy complaining about about these things. And if you are, you know, for military guys, I understand it a little bit, but realistically, a lot of movements out there perform a lot better than they claim, right? Because a lot of times what they're doing is they're under-promising, over-delivering, right? It's easier that way, and that's what they do. So a lot of times when they get generic movements like a Solita 200 or Ida. Uh, at a movement, they they regulate it right. They get those movements, they regulate it to their uh, ability, and then they put them on the watches. Very few companies are going to take that wa- that movement and just stick it in there, right? They they tend to be regulated, and and a lot of times they're regulated very very well, very well. Some of sometimes you can even get micro brands that are regulated inside COSC certifications, right? But with cost, there is a cost, you know, attached to it. If you want a chronometer, chronometer certified watch, companies have to pay for that. So there's a lot of cost involved in that. And for smaller companies or watches that they're not going to charge that much for, they just choose not to do it. But that doesn't mean that they regulated the movement or that they didn't regulate the movement, right? They, uh, a lot of times they do. And they perform well into those um, specifics or expectations a, a lot better. Uh, you know, it's kind of like Grand Seiko. Grand Seiko, if you go to the website, the specifications they give you are not probably close to what those watches are going to run for spring drive, right? If you take spring drive, from it, for example, it, they're a lot more accurate than what it says on the website. But they're kind of, again, under-promising and over-delivering. So people are extremely happy with their movements. And, you know, spring drive from Grand Seiko is always in talks when you're talking accuracy. So I think that, you know, we get boxed into, oh, the whole talk about accuracy because people are trying to justify spending more money on a watch, right? And I think that if you're honest with yourself, you understand that, you know, maybe you just bought a watch from a company that is charging more for the watch. So they're able to profit even though they're putting money into getting a watch cost certified, right? So that's that, that has a lot to do with it. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I used to have this notice retrospect. Uh, and the movement ran extremely accurate. I think it was probably minus plus around like six seconds. And that's extremely accurate. Cost certified movements are between, for men, I think is, if I remember correctly, it's like plus four, minus six, something like that, or vice versa, maybe minus four plus six uh, seconds. So, when you're looking at a watch that's plus, minus six, seven, eight, that's extremely good. So, you know, and this watch from Notice is 
what, 500, 600 bucks? They're extremely good watches. So, you know, and it doesn't say cost certify or chronometer, chronometer on the dial, but it's because they can't send it to get <laughs> cost certify and then have it cost 500, 600 bucks in profit. You know, <laughs> that's is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous expectation. And I think that, you know, a lot of times we get boxed into this thing of, about accuracy when in reality, it's, it's stupid, you know. I get it. We want accurate watches. We want quality watches. But normally movements are regulated before they put on watches and they perform better than what they list. So don't worry about it. Um, I think that we make out a lot more or we make a lot more out of that than, than it should be. Um, I think that Watches nowadays, and one example is uh, Seiko, right? The 6R movements. A lot of people, oh, 6R movements are cheaper movements or whatever. 6R movements are, I don't even remember what they are, They, but they're pretty good. I have a Seiko with a 6R movement, and yeah, the Notice was better, but the Seiko was also cheaper. <laughs> you know, it's... It's, I don't know. I think that it's something that we don't really should worry about too much, um, depending on the price that you're paying. I, I understand if you're paying five grand for a watch, you're going to expect that watch to be a little bit more accurate or at least certify that it's more accurate than the other ones because now you have kind of like a like a warranty, right? Like, hey, this watch is not performing within this and you told me it was, so I need you to fix it. And they'll do right, like an Omega Seamaster or uh, Speedy, or even a Rolex or a Tudor, right? But even brands like um, Tag, they tend to have a, a lot of times they have out of movements or generic movements that they just regulate to their expectation, right? So I think that a lot of times we're we're thinking too much about it especially when we're paying $500, $1,000 for a watch. Um, hell, I, I say anything under three grand, you know, I don't know if it's cost effective for a company to actually get it to be cost certified or to say chronometer certified and on the, on the dial is, I think it's not cost effective for a lot of watches. I think there are, there are some, um, I think, Tiso has some, uh, Doxa, uh, stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, they are going to cut cost on other areas if they're going to do that, right? And you got to kind of pick and choose. What do you want? You know, I think that, that, that movements are pretty good or pretty well regulated right now from brands. Even before... It, you know, they say it's going to be certified, a certified movement or not. So I don't think it's, it's too much that we, that, that we have to worry about when it comes to that. And, and on top of that, you know, if you're a watch collector or watch enthusiast, you tend to have two, three, four, five watches that you're, you're wearing on a rotation, right? So you have that rotation. And that rotation, your watch is not, a lot of watches are not going to last until you come back to that watch, right? If you have a Powermatic 8080, 80, uh, 
regulated era movement because that's the era movement that is regulated to be a power matter, uh, you know, have a longer or more effective or efficient power reserve, you know, that gets to 80 hours. Now, if you have 72, 70, 80, 80 hours, then yeah, you're going to have, you know, that watch probably last by the time that you come back on that rotation is going to still be running. Um, but, you know, if, if you have anything less than that, it, more than likely it's not going to last until you come back in rotation. So it's going to stop anyway, and then you're going to have to reset it. So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> At that point, it doesn't even matter. You're going you're gonna to have to reset the watch anyway. So why even worry about it? Right, I think that at that point it becomes even a mute point. It just you want to wear it, take it to a meet, and probably like a red bar meet or something, and and probably just talk trash to other people. And I think that that's kind of what pisses me off about the whole watch world when these guys, you know, finest bros and you know. <laughs> Ramble wannabes that watch the terminal list on Amazon Prime and they think they're badass because they have the same watch and you know they want to they want to talk trash about what what is better and what's not and meanwhile they live in the basement with their mom uh, eating cheese all day and watching Facebook and their computer <laughs> so I don't think I don't think that is that big of a deal I think. Nowadays, watches are, are very good, very accurate, um, and you, need, you just need to be, you know, conscious of, of, of what you're buying. Don't expect a, a, a brand that's selling you a watch for $500, $600, $800, to say chronometer on the dial, you know, because it, it's not going to be cost-effective. It, it, it's ridiculous to expect that. So I think that's, that's enough of that. Let's move on. And I think that when it comes to movement, attached to that is two more things. But let's go to the to the second one. It's the whole true GMT and like when you when I don't know, I'm trying to explain it in a way that everyone understands. I don't know your level of understanding on GMT movements, but you have one that can move the hour hand the local hour hand without moving anything else, without the minutes or anything. It's kind of like a quick adjust. And then you have the ones that you have to move. You can adjust the GMT hour hand, and then you got to move the minutes to adjust the hour hand, right? So an office GMT and a true GMT. That's what they call it. Or a flyer GMT. Now, I don't, I don't get it. Honestly, I just don't. <laughs> Look, I'm in the military and I travel a lot for training and stuff and it doesn't bother me one bit. I don't have a true GMT. I have an office GMT, right? And it doesn't bother me at all because all I do is I adjust the GMT hour hand to the location that I'm at if I'm traveling, right? And I leave the local hour hand or the local time to exactly what my home time is. The minutes are not going to change. It's the hours. So I adjust that GMT hand, which typically you pull the crown one time, and then one side, one way you can adjust the date, 
and normally down you can adjust the 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 GMT hour uh, hand. And that's normally what I do. I pull it one time. I adjust the the GMT hand to the local time where I'm at, and then screw the the scrum back in or push it in, and then you're good to go, right? You're not changing a bunch of stuff. And if you think about it, how how long are you gonna be in that location? Trust me, military people are in those locations longer than you are if you're not military, <laughs> right? Because sometimes we might be there for a year or so. <laughs> so if I can do it from the military perspective and I can set the GMT hand and just understand, hey, if I'm looking at my time right now, where I'm at, it's not home, I'm going to look at the GMT hour hand. They tend to be a different color. So and mine is red. So I'm going to look at the red hand to understand what time it is, where I'm at locally. And back home, the place that I care about is my regular time. So I don't understand where the whole snobbery for that comes. I really don't. I, I, I try to put my myself, I try to play devil's advocate and put myself in the perspective of the other person, but I just can't on this one. I, I get it. True GMT movements are more expensive, and I think that's where it comes from. Again, back to the snobbery side of finance bros and guys that normally are just that, snobs. Right, the type of guy that on a firefight is gonna sit down and cry <laughs> about being shot at, right? So, um, so obviously, it's not it's it's not coming from a from a perspective of a military person. I don't think we care about that that much. And if you do, I'm sorry, you know, um, I just don't see it, right? I don't I don't see the the issue with having a true GMT or an office GMT. I think that whether the local hour hand changes or the GMT changes, hour hand change is the one that changes. Um, I don't. I don't see the issue. I don't. I, I really don't. I really don't. Um, I think that it's more snobbery than anything else. And it, I mean, if if you're interested in that perfect i think that more than anything else if you like the watch and the watch just happened to be a true gmt cool but what i don't i don't think is 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 justified is for us to have a true gmt movement and to go and talk shit to other people because they don't when their watch overall might be better or might look better and i think we're just trying to you know in this in this uh, hobby or this world, we're just trying to justify that we spend more money than the other person, right? And I think that, again, I don't think it happens in the military, in the military community, watch communities that I'm, I'm part of. I never see that happen, but it happens a lot to military members when they go to watch communities not filled with veterans or uh, military members. Right. So I think that it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, what the hell? You know, again, it's just snobbery. It's just snobbery. Um, stupid. And if you're doing that, just quit. You know, don't be don't be a pogue. All right? Don't be a pogue. <laughs> For those of you that are not military, that's just a, a joke 
or a funny way for us to call people that are not combat um, MOSs, right? So um, personnel other than grunts or other than infantry or combat MOSs, it's just a way, it's a funny way that we do it. Um, but yeah, don't be a ramble wannabe that watches, um, I don't know, some YouTube watch channel and just regurgitate everything that they say, you know, it's, those people are stupid. You know, those people are ridiculous. They don't, they collect watches to have it on a, on a safe at their house. And, and that's it. They don't do anything with their watches. They don't, they don't really have to watches because whatever watch they have doesn't see anything, you know, which I think is, is crazy because a lot of times what we collect watches for is for the story, right? Especially us in the military. We, like I said before, we, we like those stories. We can connect a lot of stories from the military with those watches. And I think that, you know, that does a lot for us. Uh, and from the military perspective, when it comes to watches, those stories, I don't know if you guys saw the story that uh, someone posted the other day, or I, you know, it was Watches of Espionage that posted a, a story about this uh, uh, Thailand officer, I think it was, um, with some U.S. Marines doing the Cobra training, and he was holding his hand above the Cobra, and the Thai officer had a Submariner with drill logs on. And I think that's a cool story, right? It's a unique older Submariner that has drill logs. And if you know about some, uh, about the, that type of history, you know that they're older, they're more rare right now, and it probably costs a lot of money. And for it, it, you know, it resonates with that Marine, you know, like that's the story of when I got to to do this training with cobras, you know, <laughs> that not a lot of people do. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I think that military people tend to do those things that, you know, connect with those watches. And, and that's part of why we are in this hobby so much and enjoy it so much. And, you know, those scratches using the watches is part of it. And I think it's stupid for people that don't do that. It's ridiculous, you know? So, you know, with that, with I think that's that's all I have for for GMTs, true GMTs, and office GMTs. I think I think it's ridiculous. Um, the other thing that goes with movements is the whole hour or power reserve, right? That we kind of touched about it before. The whole power reserve. Um, oh, you know, I want this watch. I really like it. Which, look, I'm gonna be upfront about it. This happened to me when I started collecting watches. You know, like. I think my second watch was it my second watch, second third watch that I ever bought was a no my second watch was a Hamilton uh, khaki scuba and khaki navy scuba that's what it's called khaki navy scuba uh, from Hamilton and it was. Which is, I'm going to touch on that watch twice during this episode because it, it relates to what we're talking about. But on this on this side, it, it had it was 72 hour power reserve, and it was pretty regulated to that. It, it actually worked to 
what it said. And I used it one, I will use it one time and it will last, you know, uh, three, four days before I had to, uh, reset it. Or if I didn't worry, it will stop. Right. So I kind of got used to that. And, and, you know, I, I fell into that trap or of, oh, I want watches that have better power reserve because it just means they have better movements. And, you know, what's funny is that a lot of those brands, especially the, the brands, the Swiss brands that produce a lot, you know, mass-produced watches like Hamilton or Tissot, um, they use ETA movements that other brands use. And all they do is they, they regulate it and then adapt it a little bit to fit what they want it to be. So with the Power 80, Powermatic 80 movement that Tissot uses, which I also have a uh, Tissot C-Star 1000 that utilizes the Powermatic 80 movement, it's 80 hours of power reserve, is an ETA generic movement that they regulate down in the 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 vibrations, how, how much it vibrates in order to... Um, be more effective or more efficient and get to 80 hours of power reserve. That's all it is. So in reality, you know, it's, the movement doesn't really change. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of times when it comes to power reserve, we become snobs again about the whole thing. When in reality, movements are pretty much probably the same, right? So I don't think, I think that one time um, I had to check myself for being an idiot when I was, uh, I was uh, looking at, what watch was it? It was a Doxa. It was a Doxa. I, I was looking between a Doxa and ultimately I didn't go for the Doxa, but it wasn't because of the whole power reserve. But I, I remember looking at the Doxa and thinking, you know, I should probably, I like this watch a lot. I want it. I think it was the Sub 200. And you know, more of a normal case. And I was like, you know, I like this one. I want to get it. it. has cool colors and I can make it my summer watch or whatever. And uh, it'll be cool as hell. And it's a Doxa, so it's cool. And I wanted to get it, but then I saw that it had a power reserve of like, I don't know, 38 hours. And I was like, what the hell? Hell no, I'm not getting this watch. I'm not paying this much for this watch. And it just has that. And then I checked myself. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? Like, am I being a snob right now? Am I being a a, a Navy guy? <laughs> I'm just joking, just joking. But, you know, more like an Air Force guy. <laughs> no, but, you know, like, am I being a snob about this? Like the finest bros in, in the watch meets are and and not going to get this watch that I really, truly like because of the power reserve. And uh, I really had to check myself. And I I was going to get that watch, and I ended up not getting that watch because I ended up finding a watch, an Oris, that I, I got. That I got it through AFES, and it was a lot cheaper than than. It normally is, and I couldn't pass down the discount, so I ended up getting that one, which also didn't have an an insane amount of uh, power reserve hours. So I think I, I've I've been able to 
get away from that. But it was one of the things that I kind of started with. And I think that, you know, Power Reserve, again, if if you are starting with your, your collection and, and you're in the military and you use that watch a lot as a tool watch, then it, it really doesn't matter. You you know, if you don't have a rotation of watches, then it doesn't really matter because it's not going to stop using constantly. And these are brands that tend to have really good regulated regulated movements before they put them in their watches like Oris or Doxa, you know. So don't worry about it. You're going to have a quality watch anyway. So don't worry about it. And I think that, you know, if you do have a rotation and you're going to set it anyway, then that goes back to the whole accuracy and, and stuff like that. So I think that if it bothers you that much, then you can buy winders. Winders are there to keep the, the watch, you know, moving, uh, the movement uh, going, and it doesn't stop. It kind of rotates uh, for a little bit towards one side. Then it will rotate the other way for a little bit and stop, and it rests and, and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of cool. You don't have to spend a lot of money on winders. If you go, obviously, to YouTube or you listen to uh, what snobs are telling you, they're, they're always going to recommend like wolf winders or like I don't know, $200, $300. And I guess, I mean, that's what you want to do. But uh, I, I have a winder that I, I don't use that much, but when I do use it, it works perfectly. And the damn winder cost me 50 bucks, 60 bucks. So there's no, in Amazon, it's no, no need to buy a $300, $400 one. Like, that's ridiculous. Come on, you know. Unless you have an ultra complication, you know, like uh, one of those watches that are like, I don't know, a um, hundred grand because it has so many complications and, the, you know, it's handmade and stuff like that. Uh, I think that that's ridiculous, which, which, you know, if you think your Rolex is handmade, it's not. Okay. It's hand assembled, not handmade. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the polishing, the, the, on the casing, the bracelets, uh, the assembling of, of uh, um, the, the movement and stuff like that a lot of times comes from machines and then they do the, the, the last portion of assembling by hand. So don't believe the, the hype of being handmade and stuff like that when it's not. So um, you're paying for the brain. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> so now... The last thing I want to talk about, and I let I save this for the, for last because I could talk about this forever. But now that it's last, you know, it kind of as it gets closer to the forty-five minute mark, I know that I got to stop talking and rambling about it. But guys, water resistant, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I am a dive watch fanatic. Okay, if you look at my collection. I have about 80% of my watches are dive watches to the, to the dot. It's exactly 80% of my watches are dive watches, right? So I fell prey to this at the beginning and, and stuff like that. And I think that with time, I, I started to understand uh, more of what it meant and really how it fit our lifestyle and stuff, my lifestyle and stuff like that. But there is a little bit of merit to this, though. When it comes to military lifestyle, there is a little bit of merit, right? Now, it's not always about depth of in the water, right? 
Like, let's be honest, not all of us, majority of military members, regardless of service, because let's be honest, you know, I know Navy, Navy people, I know, I know some of them that can't even swim. Okay, so there's a lot of Navy people that can't even swim. So, you know, in the military, there is a lot of, of the majority of us are not going to be in the water for prolonged periods of time or in depth that is going to match even 100 meters. So I don't think that it applies to all of us, but there is a cer- certain population like, hey, I have a, I have a, a person, a follower that I also follow. Um, I guess you could call it an Instagram uh, friend, <laughs> whiskey and, and, and watches. Uh, no, it's not whiskey and watches. Um, I think it's watches, whiskey, and and I don't I don't remember. I, I'm sorry, man. I can't remember your your tag, but it's 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 a special forces guy that's into watches, right? In the army, and and whiskey, and he he uh he follows me. I follow him. He he does some pretty cool stuff, kind of like watches of espionage uh thing, but. You know, he's a special forces guy. And for him, this has merit, right? This has merit for special forces guys, for guys that are um, Navy SEALs, uh, divers, like technical divers in the military, because we do have actual divers in the military, right? Um, So if you do that type of stuff, which is a very small minority in the military, then there is merit to it. Because you are going to be pro- for prolonged periods of time doing things under the water and with the it, around water, they're going to stress that watch to the limit. So having 300 meters of water resistance or more doesn't only talk about water resistance, but also what you're going to do around, around the water, right? So it, it, it serves that purpose and it, it, there is merit to it. Right, there is validity to that within the military community, but again, that's the minority. So when it comes to the rest of us, the pogues <laughs> and the nerds and the supply guys and the human resources and even regular infantry and regular um, uh, soldiers and and navy guys and um, air force people and marines. Um, we are not going to need 300 meters of water resistance. A lot of us, we're not even going to need 200 meters of water resistance, right? Now, I think that 100 meters is a, is is adequate, right? Because a lot of times, like I said, in the military, we're not just looking at water resistance for the depth that we can go in the water. That's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is because, and the reason why I love dive watches is because it represents a tool watch very well. Right, it represents a sports watch, something that it seals the, the the watch away from the elements, that it keeps the elements away. Whether that is water, or it's rain, is is uh, snow, is hail, is you know mud, uh, sand, whatever the element it is, um, it seals the watch away from it, and I think it represents that very well. And having having a, a dive watch is is kind of like 
you know, it, it kind of goes with that. So for us, we feel safe about it. I think for me, right? And I think that a lot of times that's what we like the dive watch style of watch, right? But if you have a dive style watch that is 50 meters of water resistant, I, I don't think that's that's adequate. You know, I think 100 meters is perfect. Um, matter of fact, I, I don't know if you guys know who Teddy Baldessar is, but Teddy Baldessar um, is a YouTuber, uh, has his own channel, Watch Oriented, and he he uh, obviously he's an online dealer of watches also. So um, I guess I put that up front because if you're watching his his content, obviously you know take it with a grain of salt. You know a lot of times he's going to talk about watches that he sells. Now I believe that a lot of times he's honest about it. He has criticized Seiko a lot of times, and he's now a dealer of Seiko. Um, he has criticized watches in in certain areas that could be better and they're not and and he sells them right and i think that's important because um it goes to to it it gives you credibility right now i still uh watch with caution right um that's all i can say but now one of the videos that he has and he does a lot of videos that are not necessarily selling you watches right which i think is the cool the really cool videos but he has a a video that he takes G-Shocks, the same model. It's 200 meters of water resistant. It doesn't matter because it's, it's testing shock resistance. But it's important. It, it, it goes with this because he takes the watches on a helicopter. Not him, one of his crew. Um, and he's down at the, at, the, at, the, at the floor, at the ground level. But the helicopter goes up in, in you know, increments of altitude. And they throw the, the watch from the helicopter the helicopter, they grab the watch, see if it's good, if it's still, if it's broken, and if it still works, right? To see the shock resistance of it. But I want you guys to go and watch that video. Because I think right now, for a lot of people, what happens is it's hard for people to understand distance, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. You've seen how many people fail land nav, right? <laughs> so... um People don't know distance very well. Let's just be honest. Especially those watch snobs. They're not even in the, in, in the military or police officer or first responders, right? So um, <laughs> I want you to watch that video because it, it makes you visualize distance very well. Because he goes all the way to 100 meters up. And I want you to see how high that helicopter is. And now imagine that distance under the water because it's kind of, it's about a 10-story building. And now imagine that. If you are close to a building that is 10 stories, I want you to get in 10 stories and at the 10 level of that building and look out and see how far up that is. Now imagine that distance under the water. Let's be honest, guys. Again, majority of us can't even, well, not can't swim. But there's a lot of people in the military that can't even swim. So, I mean, I used to teach water survival uh, training. And uh, the, the terror in people's faces when they had to jump into the water and how many people I had to pull out is insane. So, you know, there's a lot of people that can't swim in the military. So let's be honest with ourselves. Are you even going to go that far down, right? Or are you going to do stuff outside 
that it pushes that watch to the limit of 100 meters of, of resistance, right? And the, the seal away of the elements that it gives you, right? I don't think so. I think that 100 meters is, is good enough. Uh, but then again, I'm going to say this. For some people in the military, there are special forces. And this does not, I'm sorry, but this does not include special operations um, support or special operations um, jobs like PSYOPs, civil affairs, airborne people. I've been in that community. I know what you do, <laughs> okay? You don't need more than 100 meters. Now, it's cool to have. And if you got have a watch that has more than that, amazing, okay? I do have watches that have more than that. And that's amazing. But what I'm trying to, to get to is don't let that persuade you from buying a watch that you truly love. If you find a watch that you love and like, right, don't let that persuade you away. Again, the story of the Hamilton. I had the Hamilton uh, khaki uh, Navy scuba, and that watch has 100 meters of water resistance. And I jumped from airplanes with the intent of landing in water because it's part sometimes of training that we do. If you're airborne, you know. And I jumped with that watch on my wrist multiple times, landed in water cold hail water <laughs> and regular temperature water and i never had an issue with that watch landed on water from jumping uh out of an airplane and stayed there for about five minutes until the boat got me out no issues at all right i'm originally from puerto rico i would go to puerto rico and swim in the beach with my watch it was 100 meters of water resistance and no issues. Okay. So if you're a hobbyist of, of diving and you're not diving far enough, the watch is going to be fine. 100 meters is fine. Now, if you do something, and you know, I think that a lot of times it goes, it also gives you a little bit of shock resistance. And I think that if you're an artillery, uh, artillery guy, if you are a an EWO, that works with electronic warfare and you know you're around that high power technology it's probably going to mess with watches i think that having probably more uh water resistance and a better quality built watch more robust is going to help you so i think that for that type of lifestyle yeah you know sure spend maybe a little bit more money to get a watch that has better um or better resistance to water, shock, and stuff like that, and elements per se, right? But if it, if if you're not, don't worry about it. I think 100 meters of water resistance is fine, and uh, they pretty they very well are pretty well um, built and very robust enough uh, for for us to to use in the military. So don't let that persuade you from buying a watch that you like. Now. Um, I'm going to cut it right there because I could talk about water resistance for a long time. So I think that's, that's good enough. Uh, I got my point across of, you know, not being a snob and trying to get, uh, or let yourself not buy a watch that you like because it's not 300 meters or above water resistance, um, or 200 or whatever it is. Right. Uh, I think that a hundred meters is fine. Uh, but like I said, there is some some credibility and some validity to that within the military community. So, you know, take it for what it is. 
uh, I think that it goes with it, right? Uh, so let's recap a little bit. We talk about water resistant, obviously. I think that uh, I gave you my story about, you know, the khaki navy that I own that I, I jump into water with. I've been in snow and mud and all that. Extremely cold temperatures and never had an issue with it. So, and it only had 100 meters of water resistance. So uh, don't let that persuade you from buying a good watch. A watch that you like, that you really truly love and want to buy um, because it only has 100 meters of water resistance. Just get the damn thing. Um, now, uh, we talk about accuracy and, you know, how... I don't think it truly really matters, especially for, for people that have multiple watches in a, in a rotation. Um, I think that it doesn't matter as much because you're going to be resetting that watch multiple times as you go through your rotation um, constantly. And I think that if, if it truly matters to you, there is luxury quartz watches out there, right? There are even actual tool watches out there that are quartz. Um, they're from really good brands like Sanging. If you follow Sanging, really good watches. And Sanging has the Gypsy, which is a quartz movement, right? So, and it's a really good watch. Extremely well made. A lot of attention to detail. It nails what it needs to nail. And uh, it's a really good watch. I love it. I have it. It's amazing. And it's a quartz movement. So if it really matters to you that much, get a, a, a quartz movement on a, on a quality watch, and then you're good. Now, true GMT, office GMT, again, I don't think it matters that much, but um, there's definitely a lot of snobs out there about it. I, I, honestly, I don't see the, the thing about this one at all, at all. Uh, I, I, I told you what I do, and I travel a lot for, for uh, with the military for training and stuff, and it doesn't matter. You know, I... Guys, I just don't see it. I think it's pure snobbery, period. I mean, if if, if I'm wrong and you can see uh, where that is different, let me know. Maybe you know I change my mind, but I don't think I, I don't think I will. Now, and then we talk about power reserve, and I kind of connected it with the with the accuracy thing. You know, if you have a rotation, um, you resetting the watch. I. I I don't, I don't think it matters as much. I think that if you have a two watch collection, a three watch collection, four watch, five or more, and you're trying to get to rotation and you don't like resetting watches that much, um, and it has less of a power reserve, you can buy a $50, $60, $40 winder and in Amazon and like I have, and, and it works perfectly fine. And it helps with not having to reset the watch all the time. Um, if you worry about it that much, a lot of times, movements are are similar they just a little bit of a work on it or you know regulation on it to make it work a little bit better from brands but those are more expensive watches right so it's pretty much it now obviously what i'm trying to get to is don't let those things persuade you from buying a watch that you love period in the military I have even seen people wear JLCs, JLCs, right? And I'm not going to uh, attempt to say the name because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but JLCs to the range, right? And I'm here for it. I love it because, like I said, as military members, we have so many stories that we can connect with watches, right? So let's do it. Get the watches you love. 
connect with those stories, with those watches, with the stories that you have while wearing them. And trust me, you're going to enjoy this hobby a lot more. A lot more. Don't let the YouTubers tell you you're wrong or you need to get this or that or the people on Instagram or Facebook. Screw those people, okay? So don't worry about it. Get the watch that you love, period, okay? Um, I told you what I think. I think 100 meters is, is fine, but, you know, I think that if you're not, if you're spending the day in the office like like the nerd that I am and I spend a lot of time in an office, then, hell, 50 meters, 35 meters don't matter, you know? <laughs> If, I mean, if you get 35 meters, just be careful when you're washing your hands, right? <laughs> but if you got a 50-meter uh, watch, it's not going to matter, man. If you're spending the time the day in the office, you're going to be fine. So that's pretty much with that. And before I end the, the episode, I want to cover the AFIS thing. I think that, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but AFIS is, for non-military people, is the mall that we have, the store that the that we have on every base. They sell watches, and they tend to be Seiko's, uh, Boulevard, Citizens, but they have luxury watches. I know because I have bought luxury watches from them, and you save a lot of money. I have saved $1,500, $1,100 on watches, and that is amazing. So please, guys, if you're looking into luxury watches, more expensive watches, take a look at AFIS. They have Longines. They have Hamilton. They have... Zodiac watches that they just started uh, selling. They have, did I say Hamilton? Hamilton. They have Tiso. They have Seiko's, Citizen, Boulevards. They have Oris. They have Omegas. I mean, they have Speedy, Seamasters. So for Oris, they even have the new uh, watches with the Caliber 400. So really good watches for a discount. And on top of that, a lot of times they run 20% on those watches. And then if you buy with the Star Card, which I know a lot of people don't like the Star Card, but hey, Star Card is, is for those of you that don't know, it's a credit card that the military people can get. It works because it gives you an additional 10%. And then you just pay that Star Card back. You can get a lot of savings on watches. I'll tell you real quick, I saved $1,500 on an Omega Seamaster. So please take a look at it. It's a good resource for military people to buy watches in a more or save money while they while you do so i don't gain anything from it i'm just telling you it's a resource okay so that's pretty much it i hope you enjoy the episode and let me know what you would like to hear on the comments or go to my instagram army and time podcast and let me know whether you like it don't like it whether i'm being an asshole or you know if i'm i'm, I'm being too hard on the non-military snobs or non-rambos right or rambos wannabe <laughs> um, but let me know whatever you want to uh, let me know and uh, appreciate you listening and see you next week